Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And we have a good show this week. The uh, Ducks start off the season 3-0-0, and and now they find themselves at 4-2-0. and They ended up going uh, even on this road trip, so we're going to break down those games. We're going to answer some fan questions on the show. We're going to talk about some puck uh, possession stats on this. We're going to talk about the powerless play. I know a lot of you are upset about that. We'll talk about the offense. We'll also talk about the defense, though. The penalty kill has been pretty good this season. Uh, some lineup changes as well. So plenty of stuff to get to on uh, the weekly edition of the Ducks and Pucks podcast. So we'll start off with the road trip, Eddie. On the last show, the Ducks, we talked about it. They went to Detroit. They pulled out the win. Uh, like we said, they're undefeated in three games. They go into Pittsburgh. They end up losing this game, uh, you know, a, a close battle in this one but uh, a little bit of undisciplined play by the ducks in the second period and that did them in obviously uh sydney crosby scoring on the power play uh in there manson taking a couple undisciplined penalties uh henrique taking one as well the ducks got a little frustrated they didn't play a terrible game against the penguins which as you all know is my second favorite team uh don't hate me for it but anyways the the, the ducks lost this game uh, Eddie, I, I thought they still played a decent game, but in the second period, they took way too many penalties in this one. Oh, yeah, I agree. Penalties didn't kill you, especially when you have Sydney. Uh, I was like, oh, I almost said Cindy. Sydney Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That's your second favorite team. You can go ahead and make fun of him. Uh, if, uh, if you want to make fun of McKinney, you know, I'll let you do that for once. But yeah, it, it was a close game, and and yeah, when you when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, you think about how elite they are and all the talent they have. They were without Malkin, and they were without without uh, their third line center. I want to say uh, I, I can't remember his name, but they had some injury problems down the middle, and they still found a way to get a win. And Crosby did Crosby things, of course. Uh, when Crosby's on the ice and he's on fire, he, he he's going to score. He's going to do what he does. Yeah, we all make fun of him for it. Back in the day, he used to cry and complain about the refs. I, I think recently, too, I was uh, listening on Spit, uh, Spit and Chicklets. Uh, Crosby said one thing he regrets about his younger days in the season was being that whiny and crying. So like, at least he fesses up to it and he owns up to it. But the Ducks didn't play that bad they still kept up with you know a, a pretty much elite team minus their two uh, centers gone uh, Crosby just you know got the goal in that second period and then uh, Jake Getzel uh, he's really underrated he's a great skater he, he's really quick and he has really good hands and a quick wrist shot his shot it would just beat goalies like a ton of times so he's one of the factors I think he's a little underrated but then Crosby again assists on that goal so I mean, overall, it was it was decent, and it, it was a goalie battle. Go- both goalies played well. Um, I think it was the first time I ever saw a, a save from a sweater when the Ducks shot at Matt Murray, and it went inside of his his jersey, and I don't know where it went, but that's the first time I ever seen that happen. So I just was, I mean, I was hoping he would fall back inside of the net, and that would count as goal. But I mean, it is what it is, and. We just got to chalk this up one as a learning experience and move forward. Yeah, you know, the Ducks didn't play that poorly in this game. You know, when, when you look at the, uh, like, scoring chances for and against, both teams had 20 apiece. Uh, if you look at the dangerous scoring chances, the Ducks had 10, Pittsburgh had 4. So, uh, you know, the Ducks had a chance to win this game. I, I did feel, I, I hate to go this route, but I did feel the refs were a little full of it in this game, especially in the second period. I didn't like the call with Manson and uh, Tanif in there, and obviously uh, Crosby scored on that power play afterwards. But if you remember Manson, he checks Tanif, gives him a little bit of a shove, but then Tanif goes down like a sack of potatoes and, and the Ducks go on the penalty kill. To me, either you call nothing on that play or you call a, a penalty against Matza, but but you call diving against Tanif on there and even it up. E, you know, either way. And I didn't like that. And then, of course, the Penguins score uh, a goal on the power play there. You know, the Ducks still did really well in the penalty kill. I mean, that that's like been like 
the bright spot of this team uh, throughout the season. They The Penguins had six power plays in this game, and the Ducks held them to one goal. Uh, that's including a five-on-three slash five-on-four as well. So the, the penalty kill has been there. Uh, the power play, well, not so much. The Ducks had three chances. They didn't score at all on this. Um, I did like uh, Holzer in this, Eddie. I know you'll like this part. He did get in a fight. He really laid the smack down. I, the Ducks lost, but you know he's in there. We talked about the Ducks, a.k.a. being gritty, uh, gritty or, or dirty Ducks, and they did fight it out uh, early in the game. Of course, they lost, but it was good to see Holzer get in there, get in the mix, stand up for the team. He, he did kind of take a run a little bit at one of the uh, Penguin players, but... One thing I do like about this team, they lost this game, but the Ducks aren't afraid of anybody, whether it's the you know Pittsburgh Penguins or whoever. Oh, no, not at all. I think they came in with a different a swag this season, if you want to call it. Uh, last season was just terrible, and I know I'm pretty sure a lot of players hated playing under the coach they had. Uh, this season was different. They were more relaxed, more calm. Uh, all the pressure was kind of off of them this season. So if they did start off bad, I mean, people didn't know what to expect. Like, okay, the Ducks, like, what are they going to do? If they start off bad, no one's really going to jump their bones. It's not going to be like the Canadian media, uh, media where they're all blaming everyone and fire everyone in the first game. So I think they, they have more of a relaxed tone. And especially with their, their record and this, the early success that they did have, I think that kind of shaped and helped them kind of just transition to this and, and kind of just play with that more smoothness and and a little bit more like rough edge too, because they're just—I guess—it seems like sometimes they're playing to have fun. And last season, if we watched, um, I think we saw, saw countless times, and we talked about it on numerous podcasts for all the people that listened. How the Ducks just kind of seem to be gliding, and going with the motions. So it seems like this season, like they're having a little bit more fun, and they're just trying to play. I think they're just trying to play the best, have fun, and, and get a W. You know, the one thing that did crack me up after this game, Eddie, is that. The Ducks did not go 82-0-0. And, of course, the Ducks' Twitter went nuts. Uh, with Anaheim you know, losing the game, I, I, I just crack up. I, I can't look at the Ducks' Twitter when the Ducks lose a game. Everyone blows their mind. And so with this loss, of course, a one-goal loss, no big deal. They were 3-1-0 at this point. But, but everyone has a meltdown. It's so funny. It's like when the Ducks win... It's all rainbow and unicorns. When the Ducks lose, it's gloom and doom. You know, it, it just cracks me up. But, you, you know, everyone went nuts. And we'll talk about it later, too. Because when the Ducks lost against Boston, oh, good Lord. Some of you, and I don't know who it is. I'm not pointing fingers. But you know who you are on Twitter. You get you get crazy when the Ducks lose. I love your fandom. But, but you get really nuts when the Ducks uh, lose games. So, the Ducks lost this game, and that's why we, you know, made some jokes on social media about not going undefeated. But uh, this wasn't a bad game by the Ducks. I mean, if you look at it in like in terms of like puck possession, they actually played a decent game. They played even pretty much the whole game. And against the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, they didn't have Malkin. Okay, but uh, it was a decent road game for the Ducks. They beat Detroit. They lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, they had a couple more games, obviously, back-to-back situation against Columbus, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, Ed, Eddie, what did you think about just the fan reaction? It cracked me up when everybody was so upset when the Ducks had lost. I think it's just pure emotion. I think people just don't know how to react, and they get so flustered and frustrated, and they they take to social media to vent, which I totally understand. I understand that, and I used to be just that way, if not even worse. Mike, I remember you had to tell me to either tone it down because it was it was causing a little bit of issue because I would be really emotional on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook sometimes. But it just at first I was looking at it like, okay, well, what's wrong with this fan base? Uh, I mean, I, I I grew up a Ducks fan and I know and I know a lot of Ducks fans and and they're really hardcore and dedicated. They love the team. And I see some of the, the chat rooms and, and the Twitter goes crazy after one loss. And they're like, oh, Ducks suck. Let's do this. Or you have the other ones like, oh, no matter what, I'm a Ducks fan for life. Like, okay, I get it. But we it's only one loss. And I was talking to a few of my buddies from uh, one's a Philadelphia fan and one's a Kings fan. And I was like, yeah, we're just discussing it. Like the fan bases. I was like, oh, well, sometimes like uh, I'm, I don't know if you guys follow like your team's fan bases on, on different 
you know, Facebook pages or, or, or social media pages. But when the Ducks lose, they go crazy. Like, oh, no. One guy's like, I, no, the Kings beat the Ducks on this thing. The, the Kings have the worst fan base when they lose. You should see them with this, blah, blah. And <laughs> the Philadelphia guy's like, hell no. He goes, I grew up in Philly. When the Philadelphia Flop Fires lose one game, and I don't even care if it's by, by one goal or anything, they're ready to riot over there. And they're like, we're arguing about who's like getting mad at most. So <laughs> I think it's just it – just, I get it. It's pure emotion, and you guys get upset. And if you have this realistic reality where the Ducks are going to go 82-0 and and not going to lose a game, I, I'm sorry to tell it to you. It's a hockey's an 82 game. It's a hardcore sport. It, things are going to happen. Bucks aren't going to bounce your way. You're going to have that monkey that just climbs on your back for a few games. You're going to have certain referees that, that, that ref certain games that have a certain bias toward your team. If you called him a certain name, I'm pretty sure it's a human emotion. He's going to remember that. He's going to call it a little bit unfairly. I mean, that's the way it goes. It, it kind of sucks, but it's the reality of it. All we have to do is just hope for the best and uh, I guess maybe not tweet our social media when we're uh, above a certain intoxication level. <laughs> and I'm talking about not just alcohol because like sometimes if people you know, are at the gym, I see like a few people that I, I go to the gym, I see a few people that – I've been there when Ducks games were on, like the replays, and they're watching it. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I'll go up and talk to them. Like, oh, you're a Ducks fan. And and cool. And Yeah, I, I know the, the whole pre-workout gets you like pumped up too. But just kind of relax. Go ahead and vent. I mean, it's, it's your social media. Just vent within reason. And, and and you know what? If you have a su- suggestion to make the Ducks better, throw it out there. And don't just say, oh, the Ducks need to play better. No, be like, hey. This player should have just done this differently, and yeah, we, you know we're all fans. We can Monday morning Monday morning quarterback this game, and we can all have a, a discussion about it. Just we don't have to go on a, a full on Anaheim versus Anaheim fans. That, that that's when it gets kind of unrealistic, and that's really bad. That's what I hate to see when fans are just at each other's throats fighting and, and back and forth, back and forth. It's like, come on, guys, we're all Ana- we're all Anaheim Ducks fans. We can find one or two things we hate about every other team in the league and fight about that yeah i agree with you and and the ducks twitter is nothing but entertaining for sure whether the ducks win or lose i crack up at the stuff i see on my timeline but another point you brought too is about the refs and uh you know i'm not gonna say the refs are 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 biased but uh francis sharon that was in this game uh let's just say he's refed uh 14 of these ducks penguins games and the Penguins have won 13 out of 14. So I, I'm going to leave you with that. You can you can figure out if, if he's biased towards the Penguins or not. And some of these calls that, you know, obviously the Ducks didn't get in the second period. You know, that's up to you. But anyways, the, uh, the Ducks continue the road trip. They uh, went into Columbus, played back-to-back. We finally saw Ryan Miller in net. Uh, and, and you know what's funny about this game? I didn't think the Ducks played as well in this game against Columbus, but they ended up pulling this one out. Um, they had a shorthanded goal by Silverberg. A couple of minutes later, Fowler scored on a, on a, a really uh, nifty play. He shot the puck between uh, the pad and the body there to get that goal. And the Ducks ended up winning this one 2-1. to one. But uh, Columbus had more dangerous chances in this game. They had eight uh, dangerous uh, uh, goal attempts, or shot attempts, excuse me, and the Ducks only had three. So, you know, that was part of that in this game. Uh, we saw that Gooley was out. He had his lower body injury. He didn't play the, the rest of the, uh, the road trip uh, in, in these two games, uh, Boston, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, this game... You know, I, I didn't think the Ducks played as well, but you know what, Eddie? Uh, Miller did awesome. He had a, a crossbar and a post shot here that helped him out, but he made some huge saves in this game. And I, I don't know, I think you and I are the only ones that talk about it, but we, we love Gibson. He does great, but we're like, hey, play Miller more. Play him in there. And, and he did outstanding in this game when the Ducks... Honestly, out of the six games they played this season, I, I don't know if this might have been their worst game. I mean, they really didn't play that well in terms of uh, you know puck possession. This was actually their worst game in puck possession on the season. And I'll, and I'll talk about some of those stats more in depth a little bit later because I know a lot of you are concerned about the scoring and the power play and what's going on with the Ducks because they started out undefeated but then lost the last two out of three, and we'll go into more of that. But... 
I really think the Ducks got opportunistic with those couple goals, Eddie, and Miller really saved the day on this contest. I 110% agree with you on that. I mean, this wasn't their worst game. Or actually, you know what? No, uh, let me rephrase that. This was their worst game. I was looking at the Boston stats too right now. Uh, I'm multitasking. I think this is the worst game the Ducks played all season. They played against a depleted team who lost a lot of top-end talent and lost a couple superstar players that re- that are relying on young guys that aren't un- kind of unproven and a goalie that hasn't really proven himself as a starter. And this team against the Ducks played like they were an elite team. And it was just really sad to see. And what really pissed me off more, the three stars of the game, which, you know, yeah, I want to say they all deserve to be there. Silverberg, Fowler, or actually Fowler at one, Silverberg two, Dubois from uh, Columbus at three. Uh, I think Miller should have been part of that. I mean, bump off, I don't know. It's hard to say who to bump off. I I don't even know. I'm not the the, the people that vote for this, but they, they should have included Miller. Miller played lights out, and he was standing on his head, and he kept the Ducks in the game. I was watching this game, and I'm like, oh, my man, I, this is Columbus. Oh, another shot. Oh, Columbus, another shot. I was like, man, I'm not going to finish this game. I'm going to knock out the bottle and just probably black out and pass out on the floor. This, this game was so frustrating. But I think this was the, you know, the worst game I've seen the Ducks play this season so far. And, yeah, and we'll get to the Boston game coming up, but this was a bad game. What was funny was the Ducks uh, social media put out, you know, for their Ducks headline, which is cool. I, I I like how the Anaheim Ducks let fans choose the headline. That's really cool of them to do that. But they said that uh, P.S. Miller time has been done to death and is thus not eligible. And then his wife Noreen, the actress, uh, tweets, "quote Oh, really? Laugh out loud." I think that was the funniest thing in the world. Now she just came out and said that. But you know what? It really was Miller time, and. And I just recently found out that Miller time meant a basketball player. I guess that was his first thing, and I always associated that with beer, not not actual basketball player. But when I think of Miller time, I think of Ryan Miller, and I think of Miller Lite, which not really a beer, but I don't know, Mike. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a weak beer, right? right? Coors Light, Miller Lite, Bud Light. I'm sorry. Those are all weak beers, right? It's a out in the sun at the beach beer because you're not going to drink an IPA when you're in the middle of the sun on the beach or in Vegas like in one of the pools. <laughs> no, you want to drink light beer. Right, So, right. yeah. I, I mean, th- this game was probably the worst I've seen the Ducks play. I hope when we play this uh, this team again, we can just actually show that how much better we are than them. No, I feel you 100%. I, I, I thought the Ducks... I thought they should have won in Pittsburgh and lost in Columbus, and, and the reverse happened. That's just kind of the way some of these games go. I mean, they they had Miller playing awesome in this game. And like I said, the, the puck possession stats were pretty bad in this game. Uh, and, and we'll go into more detail about that in a little bit. But basically, uh, Columbus carried the play uh, most of this game until the third period where it was, was pretty much even. But uh, the Ducks escaped this one. Miller was in there. And if you don't know, a lot of people said, you know, Miller time is from Reggie Miller when he played on the Pacers. So there's a whole big thing about that. I don't care. You know what? Uh, Ryan Miller did awesome this game. Whether you want to kill, call it you know, Miller time or whatever you want to call it. So I, I was happy to see him get in there and hold down the fort and the Ducks uh, win this game despite kind of a so-so performance. But they ended up having the uh, road trip finished in Boston and it was the other way around uh, the Ducks actually played very well in this game against Boston Gibson did not play as well in this game which I mean you can't expect him to be perfect all the time but the Ducks ended up dropping this game uh, four to two uh, I would say it was the Ducks lost to Pasternak not really uh, Boston because he scored every single damn goal for the Bruins he got all four of them and the Ducks dropped this game, but you know it was a slow start in the beginning of this game, which is something else we'll talk about. The Ducks played tremendously well in the second period. Uh, they owned Boston, and of course, a bad turnover by Lindholm led to another goal uh, by Pasternak, and the Ducks were down two nothing. They ended up getting uh, one back to make it two to one. 
but then you know gave up two more to him early in the third period. The Ducks couldn't recover. They got one more and, and lost four to two. But overall, the Ducks played a decent game, uh, especially after the second period. But they, they just couldn't get it done. Uh, a couple mistakes defensively, uh, some bad turnovers here and there. Gibson not a hundred percent. You know some of the saves there we'll talk about a little bit. I didn't like, but I mean there's some positives in this game. The Ducks did own the puck in this game, and they really did dominate uh, the Eastern Conference champions uh, for 40 of the 60 minutes. Eddie, they just they just had some bad luck in this game. That's really all I can attribute it to. Uh, I don't think it's bad luck. I think it's pasta luck. Astronaut <laughs> came out firing he was just on fire everything that guy touched was gold i wish like i would have threw my wallet on the ice and he would have touched it with a stick i probably would have had about three bills in my wallet four bills (laughs) it just he seemed to was it's one of those games where the puck just went every way with him not just boston with him the ducks played well they did great but every time he seemed to touch the puck Boom, he had it. I mean, freaking Manson. I don't know what he was doing. He's watching soccer. I have no idea. That, that kick after that, the, after the four icing calls, he gets that, that kick after Sam still wins that faceoff. And, of course, guess who's there? The pasta man. Boom. And I'm not, I'll probably bring this up because I know a lot of fans brought it up. But I think he was drafted after Nick Ritchie. And I know a lot of fans still kick themselves and, and, and yell at the Ducks for that. Like, oh, you could have got him, but you picked Nick Ritchie. But I think the Boston Bruins did not win this game, but Pasternak won this game. If it wasn't for him, I, I could see the Ducks escaping and getting a win. Maybe not a 4-2 win, maybe just a 2-1. Just the same thing they got in Columbus Blue, ja- uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. But, I mean, he was on fire. and. You can't really hate that. You can't really blame the Ducks and fault them for that. A uh, player caught fire at the right time. Uh, that monkey that's supposed to jump on certain people's backs when you're having a slump. Uh, he was out of town on vacation. I mean, the whole family of monkeys that jump on your back, that slump teams down were out on vacation at that point. But I could tip my hat to that. And the Ducks, this is one of the, the losses the Ducks take. I can accept they still play. They didn't play the full, you know, sixty-minute game that I keep harping about and like. But they played well enough to to get back in it and try to make something interesting and possibly win this game. But obviously, they they ran across a hot player, and I mean, you can't really ask for anything other than that. They still played great. Yeah, I think just a couple of mistakes, like you said, you had the second goal. Uh, Lindholm made a mistake, turned over the puck. Uh, as you mentioned, the third goal, the Ducks actually won the faceoff, but Manson coughed it up to Pasternak, and then he scored. And then the fourth goal, I was really upset with Gibson because and that one, it was shot wide, uh, just inside the post. But Gibson tucked his left leg pad in instead of extending it out and break, you know, and pushing it out, and he could have stopped that goal. So, you know, I think the Ducks could have definitely, you know, rallied back and maybe tied this game up, but. Like you said, it's just weird. I, I think they played their worst game in Columbus and they won. They played their best game in Boston and lost. So it's just the way it goes sometimes. You can't always look at goals and shots uh, on, on net, Eddie. Yeah, um, you are saying about that, that, that third goal that you didn't like. So with me, I don't like the second goal. The second goal that was scored for Boston, it seemed like Gibson was just kind of got a little lazy and was kind of slow. He just went through the motion, moving, like sliding side to side. I guess he didn't think that shot was going to come as fast as it did. And that second one kind of bothered me more than the one you talked about. So I think that was like the only thing we can disagree on in this game is I thought that second goal Shouldn't have went in, and I think Gibson should have played it a little bit better. And it seemed like he just was a little lazy, uh, or laxy dacks are tired. It's a morning game, or maybe hungover. I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I'm sure no professional players go out and drink after games or before games. <laughs> but yeah, that second goal was the one that bothered me the most. I, like, come on, man, slide. You're on ice, and you're an elite. You're an elite goalie, Gibson. Is probably the only superstar and elite player the Ducks have right now. He should have stopped that, in my opinion. 
No, no, I'm with you too. I, I thought this wasn't Gibson's best game. I thought the fourth goal was the worst. You thought the second goal was the worst, but I think we agree overall. Uh, the Ducks as a team played well, but Gibson wasn't as strong a net. Uh, I did think the ending was kind of funny in this game, Eddie. Uh, if you caught that, um, you saw Jones and Getzloff going <laughs> at it with Chara and Wagner, uh, former Duck player who was one of my favorites. And, and Wagner gave Getzloff a little bit of a face wash, and then Getzloff punched him at the end. So uh, that part was kind of entertaining to see in the final seconds of the game. I, I don't know what's going on with Wagner and Getzloff. Uh, Wagner was laughing there at, at the end of that. But, uh, you know, the Ducks will play them one more time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they square off later this season, Eddie. Oh, I think Wagner and Getzloff had that. Just get th- that relationship. They w- Getzloff knows Wagner's role and Wagner r- knows his role. So he's going to do whatever he has to do for his team. Wagner is a team first player, and he was one of my favorite players too. I, I, I'm still pissed off and bitter about losing Wagner, and I still think he should have been a duck. And Me too. Yeah, I know. You know, stop bitching about that. It, it, it's long and gone. Oh, well, you know what? <laughs> I, I still, I'm still bothered by that. So I, I think Wagner was just doing his job for the Bruins, and Getzloff was just doing his job as a captain and for the Ducks, and I think they both understood their role. Now, with Chara and Jones, Jones, holy crap, you have uh, you have bigger balls than I do because Chara's a beast. <laughs> I don't care if Chara's 42 years old. That guy, just when he gets gets mad, how red he gets in the vein that pops in the side of his head, I'll just be like, you know what? Sorry, sir. Uh, you know what? Cut line. Or you know what? Whatever. Hey, you know what? That was your bike. Like that Friday movie, Debo. No, take that. <laughs> like... But I know Chara and Getzoff had history uh, fighting before. I remember a long time ago when I was at Honda Center. This was like before I went to the Army. Chara and Getzoff went at it pretty good, and, and Chara just went crazy. And when Chara hits that red line, it's like zero to freaking Chara. I, there's no other way to explain it. It's Chara. But Jones, I mean, I'm glad Jones stepped up to Chara, and he wasn't just kind of like just going with the motions. Pick your battles. Oh, man, it, it wouldn't have ended well. Chara's a big guy. He's a veteran player. He knows how to throw him down. I really applaud Jones for, for sticking up for the team. And yeah, I have some issues with Jones this season, and we'll go over that a little later in the show. But I'm really glad I saw Jones stick up for the Ducks and, and kind of get into that matchup. But, yeah, there's one thing about just, like you know, kind of barking, but I wouldn't suggest going with Chara. Chara's... At 42, he's still a beast. You know what? At, at when Char is 62 or 72, I still wouldn't go at him. Even if he's not playing hockey, he could beat the crap out of you with your his walker at that time. You, you know what? It was funny too. We had the watch party uh, that day, which was Columbus Day. We actually had a good turnout. We uh, filled up the banquet room at uh, El Ranchito in Orange. Didn't know how it was going to turn out, but we had a lot of people in there. And a lot of us were reminiscing about Stoner taking out Chara. And knocking him out and then you know holding up at the end. So we were like, hey, bring back Clayton. I know a lot of you are like, oh my God, Stoner, whatever. But uh, it just was funny. I don't know why. We, we started talking about that at the watch party. And we were laughing and, and just reminiscing about those times. But, uh, yeah, you know, good times all around. Uh, you know, a little bit of anger there at the end. The Ducks will, you know, rematch him. Like you said, Jones got in the mix. We'll talk about his play uh, a little bit later, too. Some milestones on this road trip, if you didn't catch them. Uh, Getzoff played in his 989th game as a duck, uh, passing Corey Perry. And then you also had Adam Henrique playing in his 600th game, uh, you know, in this game uh, in Boston. So a couple milestones there. Uh, the Ducks, you know, they finished the road trip even. They're now 4-2-0. and zero. Uh, We're basically going to... You know, the next part of the show here, we're going to go kind of into what's going on with the team and everything with that. Real quick before I do that, uh, this podcast is uh, sponsored by BarDownBreaks.com. Check them out. They do uh, hockey cards uh, where you can basically buy in and and buy the hockey cards for a team that you want instead of just buying the packs and getting random cards. They're actually going to be at our next watch party on September 27th, again at El Ranchito when the Ducks play Vegas. So look for that. They're sponsoring this show uh, this week. 
And uh, if you can make it to that watch party, hope to see you there. It's going to be a Sunday night, 5 o'clock. So mark your calendar and hope we see you there. So with that, a lot of concern after the Ducks lost this game too, Eddie against Boston. People upset. You know, the Ducks are 4-2-0. The world's ending. The Ducks lost. They gave up four goals. Oh, my God. Uh, somebody tweeted Eric Stevens and I was laughing because he, he replied something about moving the franchise and all this stuff. It was so funny. But that's Ducks Twitter for you, right? We, we win, you know, you win the lotto. You lose and, and, and life's over. So anyways, <laughs> got a lot of questions about, you know, the Ducks. Uh, people are concerned about the power play and what's going on with that. They're concerned about the lock, uh, lack of offense. So some things to talk about here. Uh, I, I guess we'll start with the power play, really. Yeah, you know, we had George and a couple other people ask about it. You know, what's going on? The Ducks have had four power, uh, excuse me, 14 power play attempts, which uh, as we're recording the show, that's 25th in the league. Don't get me started about the refs, please. I don't want to go on a tangent. But anyways, the Ducks are, are zero for 14. Uh, and, and a lot of questions about that. A lot of people upset going, you know, what's what's going on with this power play? They have the man advantage. They're not getting the puck in there. Honestly, I, I don't think the Ducks power play is as bad as people think it is. I... I think in the first couple games, it was terrible. They weren't getting in the zone. They weren't setting up. They weren't getting quality chances. It seems like now they're getting in the zone. They're just not getting in front of the net. And and, and part of the problem is who they have on the power play units. And I know a lot of you don't aren't big fans of uh, Nick Ritchie in the lineup. I, I, I'm not mad at Nick Ritchie in the lineup. He's fine. But if you look at this Ducks' first power play unit, and we can kind of discuss this, Eddie, they have Henrique, Raquel, Richie, Fowler, and Silverberg. So for me, I, I boot Richie out of there. I, I put in Comtois, Steele, Kasha, somebody else. That, that's just my take. Obviously, that's not going to save the entire power play. Um, but you got to put your best players out there on the number one unit. And I'm sorry, Nick Richie is not one of the best forwards out there uh, for the number one power play unit. I mean, agree or disagree, Eddie? Uh, what do you think? Both agree and disagree. I like that he's a big body. He gets in front of that net. And I think on a power play, on any power play you play in, in any you know teams you play on, you want someone big in front of that net causing havoc in front of the goalie. I'm not saying be Sean Avery kind of havoc in front of the goalie and doing the, the dumb crap that Sean Avery did, but you want someone in front of that goalie, but you also want someone to... To be more aggressive and not just stand there and not really do anything. When the opposing team comes at you, like be more aggressive and start jostling back and forth and bringing that other other team's defenseman on you and, and make him go back and forth with you. It, and, and cause that two-man, you know, in front of the goalie. Like, I play goalie. I, I played a game, you know, yeah, I know I'm not a professional at all. Trust me, I'm far from professional. I played in a little higher league. I barely started in goalie. And this last game, I had my teammate and the opposing team guys face washing and pushing each other. I couldn't see a damn thing. And I was pissed off. It's like, okay, everything's going on. I'm trying to look at everyone and trying to find the puck. You guys are fighting in front of me. I just pretty much went in like a butterfly position, put my stick down, and hopefully the puck hit me. Luckily, it did. But I'm pretty sure that same concept goes in the pros. When you have two guys in front of you blocking your, your position and how you play, it kind of deviates your mind on, on, on what you're going to do to make a save. But Richie, he, he just doesn't he, – he hits and takes uh, – I don't know how to say this. He does the wrong things at the wrong time. I love the – yeah, I love the physicality. I love how hard he plays, but he, he does it at the wrong time. If you want to take a penalty and, and do that hard rug nose play, do it while you're in front of their goalie. Don't do it when you're in the middle of the ice and slashing some guy because he, he barely touched your back by a cross check. Like, come on, bro. You just causes like you're going to the box. Don't, don't trip a guy when he's doesn't even have the puck. Like, don't do that. If you want to take a penalty, do it at the right times. Be physical when we're on the power play in front of the net. 
I, I'm not opposed to having someone you know that, that's kind of like a power forward is is Max Jones throwing up there just to see how he does because we need some chaos we need some havoc in front of the net or you know what why don't we try throwing Manson in front of the net it worked for San Jose a few years ago when they had Brett Burns playing you know, an offensive role um, when he was in the power plays and I think he took some shifts on the fourth line as well as his defensive responsibilities and he's a big he's a big boy and he, he's a big body. Uh, we just need to screen the goalie and get and draw the opposing player's defender to start, you know, causing that chaos in front of the net to block him even more. It's it's not working, and I harped on it. And I, I, I'm I'm I don't hate Nick Ritchie. I love his physical style of play. He just does it at the wrong time, and I think we're at the point where it's not working now. And I, I think it's time for a change, and we have to start transitioning things out and. In my opinion, Mike, and I'll throw this out there, even though we weren't even talking about this, I, I think it's time for a change of scenery for the Ducks and Nick Ritchie. Yeah, I, well, we did talk about that before when the whole Justin Falk rumors came out. We said, don't trade uh, Kasha, you know, and 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 send Ritchie. That was one of the things we talked about. So, But, you know, with this power play, uh, as we were talking about, like I said earlier, just to clarify, you know, the Ducks are, are 25th in power play attempts. They've had 14 chances, uh, which is pretty low in the league. And then overall, obviously, they're in last place. They're tied for last. They haven't had a power play uh, goal. And some people are saying, oh, you know, it's only been six games. It's not a big deal. But it is something to keep an eye on. It's something to, to watch out for because they haven't got it going. And I, I just don't like, like you said, Nick Ritchie. On, on the front, uh, at least on the first power play unit, he's not doing what needs to be done. I, I like Henrique. I like Raquel, Fowler, Silverberg. Like I said, throw some of the other young guys in there. Obviously, Comtois has only played a couple games. Get him in the mix. Get Kasha in the mix. Um, Sam Steele, same thing. He hasn't played a couple games. Uh, Troy Terry, uh, hello. Throw him out there. I, I, there. There's just a lot of other options, I think, on the first power play unit. And Eddie and I agree that Richie should not be on the first power play unit. I don't even know if he should be on the second power play unit. That's just me. I don't dislike the guy. I just think he takes a lot of dumb penalties. And on the power plays where he needs to be in front of the net and being the pest, and he's not doing that. He's, he's doing some of it on five-on-five five play. But, you know, if the Ducks want to fix the power play, they need to change up the lines a little bit on there. Like I said, they are doing a better job of getting the puck in the zone. Don't get me wrong. But they're just not getting in front creating those secondary chances and those deflections, which they need to do. So that, that's something that they're going to have to work on. Uh, as we said, the power play hasn't been doing as well. But the penalty kill has been outstanding, except for this last game against Boston when the pasta man went nuts. But, uh, you know, the Ducks are at 84%, which is 10th best in the league on the penalty kill. So... And they're still doing good defensively, Eddie. So those are the positives with this team. If you compare the Ducks this year to last year, they were hanging out Gibson and Miller to dry every game, giving up 40 shots a goal against. And at least now, the Ducks are playing solid defense. They're playing a solid penalty kill. If you can play that kind of game, then you can work on the offense. I rather have, I mean, you want both, of course. You want to score goals, you want to play defense. Duh, that's how you win games. But you know, when we look at everything in general, if you had to pick one of the two, and that's all you could pick, hey, I want a team that's going to play solid offense or a team that's going to play solid defense, you want to pick defense, right? Because defense wins championships. And I'm not saying the Ducks are going to be a championship team. Eddie and I have already said they're not. However, what we're saying is this team is developing and, and you can build off defense and have the offense come. The other way around, it's a little bit more difficult, in my opinion. If you're scoring goals but letting the other team run wild, then you're in for a long haul. So this this Ducks team, the way they're playing, may be kind of boring because there's not a lot of goals being scored. But to me, and it's only small sample size, it's six games, it's early, but I, I like what I'm seeing so far, Eddie. The Ducks are playing a much stronger team defensive game under Aikens than they were last season. Oh, yeah, definitely. They have more passion. They have more will. I almost threw up when you said the word sample size because I thought of my <laughs> stats class. I was like, I'm done with math. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I already finished that thing. But, yeah, I think the Ducks have more passion, and I think overall they're having more fun this season playing hockey. You see Cam jumping up on the play. You see players 
doing things that they don't usually do last season. Last season it was just okay, do one, two, and three, and it was the same thing over and over again. If you guys watch that movie, Walk the Line, when uh, Joaquin Phoenix is playing Johnny Cash, he's in that thing, and he's talking about uh, he was trying to record a record. And the guy's like, no, uh, you're not going to work. And he's mad. And the guy's like, oh, well, you're saying the thing just like that. Like singing the song. That's what the Ducks last season. They were just just like that. You knew what the Ducks were going to do. You can just – Miss Cleo could have guessed what the Ducks were going to do every game last season. <laughs> rest, you know, you know, I apologize. She's, she's passed away, so rest in peace to her. But the Ducks this season, yeah, they're not – as entertaining because the game has changed significantly and it's not as physical and electric as it was hence because there's fighting has been down the game's got speed and the refs have been assholes i'm gonna say that uh, breaking up fights before they even try to start but i love how the ducks are trying new things they're going in you see troy terry with his little toe drag and how he brings the puck confidently in the Ducks aren't just trying to just throw the puck in and trying to just gl- glaze over there or just glide over there. They're bringing that puck in. They're coming in three strong, sometimes four strong. You have you know, Fowler or one of the defensemen come over there and try to make a play, and that's fun to watch to see something different. Like, holy crap, why are four guys in the zone score 0-0 or it's 1-1 and the Ducks are still pushing that rush? So it's still fun to watch. I mean, me, I love hockey. Uh, I'm a hockey guy. I can watch any game and have fun besides the Kings in Minnesota. I'm usually at the bar with my back turned when that game's on, but I'm a hockey guy, so I'll still peek here and there. Hopefully, both teams lose, but I like what I see from the Ducks so far, and despite the, the whole craziness of the Ducks losing the few games that they did and everyone you know, splitting decisions, I, I think the Ducks are doing... Decent so far, and they're transitioning well under a new coach. And especially of the atrocity they had last season, I think this is a much more improved Ducks, and we're seeing more of a better game. The shots are up there. You have, you know, they're doing well on the faceoffs. The penalty kill, I don't think the penalty kill has been a problem for the Ducks. I think they're used to that. I think they're actually really having fun playing under the new coach and the new system. and. Like I said before, it's going to take time. They're not going to automatically, instantly adjust to a new system and be, you know, that elite and thriving team. And we're still lacking, you know, we have zero superstar players on our offense or defensive line. We have no, not really elite players. Our our best player and our elite and superstar player is John Gibson. And it's not fair to hang everything on him. You can't say, okay, well, he's a superstar. He's an elite player. The Ducks should be... You know, winning this, this, and that. He should be blocking this, this, and that. Sometimes you have a shitty game. You can't help it. So you can't really do that. Overall, from these games, Mike, I think the Ducks have been, you know, pretty much great and good. And hopefully we they can make adjustments and they can fix these, you know, the power, the powerless play, which you said, which was, <laughs> I like that. And, and they can fix that special teams, which uh, I wrote the article, too, uh, detailing this, we had to work on special teams, but the overall trend of what we've seen so far in this season, I like, and I, I think the Ducks are only going to get better. And once the new system is impl- implicated even more, it, it's it's going to work. Well, and I, I think there's part of that is the line changes too. So there's kind of two trains of thought as well. The Ducks have changed the lines pretty much every game. The main consistent line has been Raquel, Henrique, and Silverberg, which arguably has been the best line for the Ducks. So that's you know problematic. If you played the sport of hockey, you, you've got to play with certain players and get to know them. Uh, the Ducks have changed up all the forward lines except for that line pretty much. Uh, we talk about the defensive pairings. They've been the same. Having Gooley out, you can tell that's been a problem. Uh, Del Zotto and Fowler hasn't been as good as Gooley and Fowler, if you look at that. Uh, and another thing, too, that you know some people are concerned about this is that the rookies haven't scored any goals. So you have Comtois, he's only played in a couple games, he hasn't scored. Steele has been hurt, he's only played in a couple games. You have uh, 
Jones has not scored as well. So and Terry as well. So you know you have some of that. These young guys have come in, thought these guys were going to score all these goals. So so people are like, well, wait a sec, they're not scoring. But I mean, there's several players that aren't producing on this team in terms of uh, trying to get goals. You look at uh, Jones; he's got 10 shots on goal, no goals. Uh, Kasha, he's got 19 shots on goal, and he's got one goal. Uh, Grant's got 10 attempts, and he's got one goal. Uh, Getzoff's got 12, and he's got one goal. And you have Terry with nine and, and no goals to show for it. So, like you said, the Ducks are getting shots on net. Most of the players have gotten those opportunities. They're just not cashing in. So, some people you know, are kind of worried about what's going on with the lineups but we kind of knew going into the season with the big shakeup you had eaves uh out kessler out perry traded you knew the forward lines were going to be mixed up this isn't a surprise so for the ducks trying to find some consistency on offense i'm not really that surprised and i'm not that worried it's only six games in i i think once they find a rhythm they they found that one line like i said the henrique line who's been doing pretty good they can get two or three other lines uh, together, I think the offense will be more consistent. So that's kind of my take there. I, I feel like the Ducks haven't been able to finish some of the plays a little bit. You know, in that game against uh, Boston, uh, Jones had a great chance, shot it in the goalie's chest, didn't score. Uh, Raquel had a great chance. Kasha had a great chance. They had a couple of them too in that Pittsburgh game, and, and they didn't cash in as well. So that's where I feel with the Ducks offense. I, I, they need to get kind of a little bit of uh, chemistry going with some of the other lines. And I think it will all fall together. That, that's, that's my take as far as the offensive uh, woes, if you will, Eddie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, my article I wrote a, a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, of shoot the damn puck is one of the little bylines inside the article. I mean, they're shooting more. They're 6th in NHL. They're averaging 29.8 shots per game, which is it's a lot of improvement. It's better, and I like seeing that. Um, as far as our rookies and, and players not really scoring that much, with Getzloff, you know what? Getzloff not scoring that much but shooting that much, I, I like it because we all know Getzloff is a pass-first, pass shoot-later. So if Getzloff shoots... I don't care if it's the, the worst angle in the world. I don't care if the, there's three goalies in the front of the damn net. If Getzloff shoots, thank you. Thank you, Captain, for shooting. Because he has an issue for uh, not shooting the puck that well. With Jones, I, I think Jones a little bit. I, I I might be wrong or I might be a little more old school hockey, even though I'm not, I'm not that really old in age. And I, you know... I think Jones seems he's a little more cocky than he than he should be. I think he should just play the game and and go through the motions as any rookie and earn his spot. What really bothered me and Mike, we talked about this off show and we decided to discuss this on the show. And this might be a little nitpicky. When he showed up on the orange carpet, he showed up a little more like out there and, and cocky especially what he was wearing and it's like he's just he's like flaunting it and loving it which i don't blame him if, if i was his opportunity I, I would love where i'm at and being able to play professional hockey but when it comes down to the ice that cockiness needs to get the hell out of your game dude you're a freaking rookie i don't care if you're the first overall draft pick or the last one dead last you need to earn your spot. You see players like Brett Burns and you see Pasta from Boston wearing those outlandish shoots and acting outrageous. And Yeah, they deserved it. Obviously, you can look at Pasta, what he did for the Ducks. You can look at you know at Jones, or I'm sorry, uh, Burns, what he does for San Jose, an elite defenseman. I think Jones needs to focus more on his game and being better for the Ducks. He, he's a great player, and he's a he has so much potential as a power forward. And he he could be one of those players that can put up a lot of points. And not saying he's the Ovechkin kind of like shot player and goal player, but he can play at a level of of producing points and goals, but hit like Ovechkin, be that type of player. And that's what I want to see from him. I I just think he kind of. 
he's taking on this role a little bit too high than he should be. He's still a rookie. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You look at the way Jones is playing right now, and he's been snake bit a little bit. And we've talked about, I call it the battle of the maxes, if you will. If you look at Comtois, and I felt, honestly, last season, I, I thought Comtois took leaps and bounds over Max Jones. That's just my opinion. And then he got hurt, of course, and then that kind of ruined the season. This year so far, obviously, Jones has been there a little bit more and had more opportunities. But I, I'm with you. You know, you got to put your head to the grindstone and just go at it. Don't don't try and act all, hey, I got my top hat on the opening night. I mean, yeah, it's funny or whatever. I mean, that's cool. But you know what, Max Jones? You haven't shown me anything on the ice. Sorry, dude, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, but you haven't. And, and I'm not trying to call him out or anything like that. I'm just saying he, he he's a great player. He is. But... He hasn't shown me that greatness this season so far. And again, it's six games. And like I said, you know, if, if, if any of you out there think I'm calling him out, I'm, I'm not necessarily doing that. I'm just saying he has that potential and he's not gotten there yet. It's kind of frustrating. So uh, that's something that the Ducks got to look at. All the rookies haven't scored yet. It's not just him. Steele, Comtois, Terry, they all haven't scored. Granted, a couple of them haven't played that much. But uh, the team as a whole has to come together like we said with the chemistry and the lines and and another thing to look at and i'm not a big uh puck possession guy i'm not an expert or whatever but when you look at the Corsi stats uh and and for those of you out there i i know some of you are like what the hell is that you know advanced algebra what is that so if you don't know the way uh Corsi works is they look at all the shot attempts so you're not just looking at shots on goal you're looking at the attempted shots, the block shots, and the shots on goal. So when you look at that stat, and it's compared against the other team, and they put it in a percentage, uh, you basically you want to be over 50%. If you're over 50%, that means your team is getting more chances at scoring or at least having the puck than the other team. So that's, that's kind of how it works. So you know the issue for the Ducks, too, this year has really been the first periods. We talked about it before on subsequent uh, or in past seasons that it was the second period. Well, if you look, I broke this down. I went through all the stats. I added this up. I spent hours doing all this, looking at all the stuff, just trying to be a, a stat geek uh, anyways. But if you look at the Ducks' first six games, in the first period, they've had about a 42% Corsi 4 which is, which is terrible. That means that you know they're controlling the puck 42% of the time. Their opponents are controlling it 58% of the time. Not good, right? And we've talked about the slow starts. But you look at the Ducks in the second and the third period, they played a lot better. They're at 55% in the second period and just under 52% in the third period. So it's kind of weird. The Ducks had these issues with the middle frame, Eddie, the past couple seasons, and now they're just getting off to slow starts. Uh, and every game, too, if you look at it, other than the Pittsburgh game where they kind of played even, all, all the games they've started out slow, which hasn't killed them. You know, they, the defense has been there. But you just feel if the Ducks could get, you know, tell them in the first period, maybe it's the second period. I don't know. Do some kind of Jedi mind trick or something. But if the Ducks could get off on the right foot in the opening frame, uh, I think they could be even better. Honestly, they're 4-2-0. If they had better starts in all these games, they could still be undefeated in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm going to take you back to the article I wrote about, quote, what Anaheim wants. On Ducks and Pucks, we talked about this. Uh, I, I think my last one was until the fat lady sings. And that's just the old freaking phrase. I'm not offending anyone. And I quote it saying, I want the Ducks to play until the skinny, medium size, or the old proverb, fat lady sings. And it's not happening this season. You know what? The Ducks improved because they stopped their poor second period play. But it kind of like translated to the first period play. It's like, oh no, that's not what I... Like, I want you to play better than the second period, but, like, I want you to play a 60-minute game. I'm going to say this until you guys get tired of it. You're going to send Mike complaints. He's saying the same thing, blah, blah, blah. But this game is a game uh, of every second matters. You can score with point, what, 0.7 seconds that King scored a few seasons ago to win an overtime game. This game keeps going. You have to play the game until it ends. And the Ducks, if they're not going to play a 60-minute game, unfortunately, they're not going to have a good season. And you know what? This whole re- retool is going to just equal out to a rebuild. 
if they're not willing to do that. And if the Ducks can't f- figure out this season, then we can't really blame, you know, Carlisle. We can't blame Aiken this season. We have to blame the players. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. If the Ducks can't find success to fix the problems they had last season, they're not going to have success going forward. And this turns into a, a re, from a retool to the, a, a rebuild. And I, I spoke to uh, Jimmy Johns which uh, on Instagram. Thank you for listening and following and sending your, your opinion and suggestion. He asked about the rebuild. And if the Ducks can't, you know, figure out how to, you know, obviously they're shooting the damn puck. That was my, my first segment on it. They're shooting it more, which is, it, it's good. And like I said, it, it it's so weird to, to agree with fans that say, shoot the puck. But you know what, the Ducks case, do it. They think they're supporting their goalie a little bit more, which is cool. Take advantage of the man advantage. Absolutely not. It, it's been absolutely terrible. Like, wow. I mean... I wish it was a football at times, and they could just decline the penalty. Just go <laughs> five on five. Uh. They've had two fights, but I don't really see. I see a little bit finishing, but they're still not really grinding it out that much. They're not fighting for that puck that much. Other teams are out battling them. They're doing a better job this season, but it, it's not enough to win those battles. And they're not finishing games at 60 minutes. And Mike, I've told you this many times, and this goes for not just hockey, but every sport or every profession that you work. I don't care if you if you work at McDonald's. If you don't put in your eight-hour day, if you're a police officer, firefighter, you don't put in your 12 to 17-hour day, you're not going to have success in your workplace. And just as well as these professional hockey players, professional athletes, if you do not put in the work and play a 60-minute game or whatever the hell your team or your work does, you're not going to have success. And it's not going to benefit whatever organization, whatever employee, whatever team you work for. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where it starts in the first period. That's that's that whole 60-minute game we talked about. Like we said, the Ducks have played great in the second and third periods. There's no mistake about it. They've they've owned the puck more. They've had better chances. Uh, they've scored goals in those second and third periods. Uh, you know, outside of this last game against Boston, you know, where they gave up, uh, you know, some goals there, uh, three goals basically in the second half of the game. But really, it was the pasta man doing that to the Ducks. If you look overall, they've they've played better than last season but like eddie's saying they got to play that 60 minute game and it's got to start at the drop of the puck uh they're still working out some kinks like we said they're working out the lines and whatnot i'm not too stressed about this team they're four two and zero i am more confident about this team this year than i was last year uh i i mean I, i agree there is some consternation with the power play and and the way the offense is going the Ducks are getting chances, in my opinion. They're just not finishing. So we'll see if they can turn that around. You know, they return home here for a few games. We'll see how that goes. They have some tough matchups, but it'll be interesting to see. And uh, as we wind down the show, uh, Eddie will break it down. Uh, some league news uh, to, to close out the show right here. And uh, go ahead, Eddie, and let's wrap this baby up. Well, I think you have some goals news, too. So I'll start off the goals news with uh, happy birthday, Willie O'Ree. If you guys don't know Willie O'Ree, he played seven seasons with the goal starting in 1967. He was the first black player to ever play professional hockey uh, for the Boston Bruins. So he's a pioneer for hockey. And some of you, you know, in this day and age, we don't think about that and see how much of an impact that he's done for the game. But he, he has. And I'm pretty sure he's was dealt with so many Racial and, and torment and, and ridicule for him being a black player and a predominantly white sport at that time, and it still is. And I'm not trying to like be a racial tangent right here, like or be political, whatever. No, I I, I don't care. Like I, everyone's the same. I could say hey, everyone's the same. Lester Ducks fan, but I mean I can understand where he's coming from. I'm mostly Hispanic little bit of Italian, but when I grew up playing hockey, I, I grew up playing with 
people telling me to go play soccer or go, you know, back to Mexico or whatever. But I can respect what he's done for this game. And he wasn't, the, you know, the best or he's not the elite player. And he's, you know, but he was the pioneer. So I really want to wish him happy birthday, especially he played for the goals when he played for them back starting in 67. So happy birthday to him. Uh, as far as other league news, I wanted to start off with our Fantasy Ducks and Pucks Hockey League. We had a, a first place winner for our Ducks jersey for week one. We had a winner for our game of the week of game five. So, I mean, everyone's so great on the Fantasy Hockey. This is our inaugural season of doing it, and everyone's just great. Uh, Mike, thank you for you know doing this too. You are the person for Ducks and Pucks, so... Everything has to go through to you, and all the fans that are in it have nothing but the best to say, and everyone's just having a great time doing it. So, thank you. Let's get break down to other league news. Let's go to the San Jose Sharks. Yes, we hate the Sharks. <laughs> uh, choking since when, Mike? 91, 91, 91. Yeah. <laughs> Shirts are available. Check them out. Trust me. I talked to Jerome Genla when I was in station in Colorado at an ass practice wearing that shirt he was laughing and loved it i wish i would have sent him one or i gave him my shirt but patrick marlowe re-signed with the sharks and this is good i mean for any hockey fan you have to appreciate marlowe being back in the game he's an older player he's given so much to the game so you know i can do this and say thank you to patrick marlowe and i wish him the best at this point, I want to say, you know what? If he plays a great game against the Ducks, I will take that too because I think he's been in the league long enough where he deserves that. Let's go back to Wayne Simmons and the Philadelphia Flyers. Wayne Simmons had some bad blood and bad taste from the Philadelphia Flyers. He was quoted saying he had some time, uh, time and sweat and tears for the organization and he deserved that he deserved better and felt that they should offer him something which i agree wayne simmons is a hell of a player he's one of those chris widener kind of players for ducks fans that don't know wayne simmons however fans get upset when players want more than they deserve or quote-unquote, being greedy, but this is the reason why that player should be paid at that moment what they think that they should be deserved. Because, yes, he did do a lot for Philadelphia Flyers. He did take a team-friendly uh, cap hit, but when it comes down to it, it's business is business. And if you're not going to you know, give more to your organization at that specific time when it's time to resign, then it, it kick rocks on. I'm sorry to say that. And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Wayne Simmons fan. I love the way he plays, and I think he deserves better. But this is an example of why players should not take a team-friendly deal. Uh, Vancouver Canucks don't have a lot. Oh, Vancouver Canucks are the Ducks' unofficial affiliate team. <laughs> if you guys get that joke. But Bo Harvitt was named 14th captain of their team. And yeah, it's like whatever. Like, why are you announcing Vancouver Canucks? Because they had a presentation of all their previous captains. They, they kind of passed a torch. And I thought that was really cool. Teams haven't really done that. I think that was a, one of the only teams that done that. I mean, it, it, it was great. And he was a good sport about it. He, he wrote on social media how... He slept in, you know, his his jersey when he got drafted. It's a dream, and I think he's gonna be a great captain over there. And I wish him all the best. Those bunch of jerks, Carolina started their five and zero, which was the best in franchise history. Um, I just want to like point them out there because they had some struggles, and Don Cherry called them out. You know, they called them a bunch of jerks, and they ran with it, and they gained fans from it. So. Yeah. Kako and Jack Hughes versus thing. Kako scored his first NHL goal. Congratulations to him. Jack Hughes, six games in, zero points. I know he's probably frustrated. I know the expectations on being a first overall, overall draft pick is kind of weighing down on him. New Jersey Devils have not been in a good spot. And I watched both these players play so far. I think... These both these both teams are trying to rush them to be 
either a top six or top three players than they should be. These are really young kids, and I think they should just kind of like relax on them and don't be the Edmonton Oilers and just throw everyone out. You draft first round and, and hope for the best. The Avalanche are the only undefeated team in NHL. Kale uh, uh, McCarr was quoted saying that they haven't even played their best hockey when they beat the Arizona Coyotes and they came out and whooped the crap out of the Capitals. <laughs> them. And for my last news, breaking news. This is breaking effing news and this is going to shock the hockey world and I hope that... Oh, my God. This is why the Ducks are better than the Kings. Taylor Swift is cursing the Los Angeles Kings because ever since the banner went up, the Kings have not found success. So this season, for every Kings game, they're going to cover up the Taylor Swift banner hoping for success, thinking that's going to do... I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Mike, all I'm saying is right here is I know Nashville is looking at this and I know they want to hang a banner. So that's, <laughs> as far, that's as far as my league news goes. Mike, if you want to touch on anything I said, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the Kings, oh my God, man. I was cracking up about that when people were saying uh, the Kings are losing and they're blaming it on Taylor Swift. And I was like, why are they blaming it on her? And then some people told me, oh, they put up this banner and now they want to cover it up. And I'm just like, you know what? Only in L.A., I swear. It's like, really? I mean, are you guys going to blame the Dodgers choking too on Taylor Swift? I mean, you know what? You guys choke. I mean, that's what's going on right now. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you guys may have won a couple cups in the past. That's nice. But, I mean, you're going to blame that? Uh, I, I just It's just funny. I, I just have to crack up at that kind of stuff uh, going on over there. Yeah, I, I do want to throw this out there, too, but like before we end, like wrap up the show. Stop calling the, the king's queen. I don't know if, if, if a lot of fans are young, but queen? Queen is a freaking awesome band. <laughs> and they have more success in their one little pinky than the Kings had ever in their 50-something years. And they took them to win a cup. Don't call them queens because queen is a compliment. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I try to stay away from all that nonsense. All I know is the Ducks won it first in California before them. So that's all that matters to me. Hence the t-shirt we have on uh, tpnhockey.com. Which also brings me to, yes, the sharking, uh, excuse me, the Sharks choking shirt. We have that as well, so you want to check that out. And we still have plenty of Ducks and Pucks gear as well. On uh, It's going to be bit.ly slash DMP gear. Uh, we have a new Ducks and Pucks 2.0 hat, which looks a lot better. Some of you have it already. Uh, we have some shirts and sweatshirts as well. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Don't forget, we're going to have a watch party on the 27th at El Ranchito. Again, we're going to keep trying to do the show every week this season. Uh, we appreciate all the support. Uh, also, if you want, you can sign up on patreon.com slash ducksandpucks. We're giving away a $200 gift card from Cool Hockey each month and game tickets as well. So uh, if you want to do that, we appreciate it greatly. And uh, we'll see how the Ducks do on this homestand. Let's go Ducks.